The Holy Gospel according to John, chapter 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But I go to my brothers, go to them and say, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them, that he has said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. flowers in the chancel and hallelujahs on our banners and bright colored fabrics instead of dark blacks and purples. It's pretty easy to see that it's Easter. Of course, that scripture 
reading we just read in John's Gospel also reminds us that it can be easy, even on Easter, to see nothing at all. Or at least nothing that changes anything at all. John begins his telling of the story through Mary Magdalene's eyes early on that first Easter morning, very early, before sunrise, well before sunrise, it's still dark, John writes, when Mary Magdalene makes her way through Jerusalem's still dark and ever narrow streets toward that borrowed tomb where just only about 36 hours ago is all she had watched them lay the brutalized and lifeless body of Jesus, Jesus whom she had loved and who had loved her except his was so unlike the love any other man ever had loved her with before. And why does she come? Well, John, in his telling of the story, doesn't tell us anything about any whys. Maybe, as the others write, she was attending to duty. Maybe, before any others got there, she's there to grieve in the place that feels closest to him and his life, even if that place is the place where they had laid him after his death. Or maybe she's even there with a weeping kind of hope, albeit not full-blown Easter hope, but rather the hope that maybe, maybe the flickering memories of a faith which seems to have been buried with him can kindle just enough something within her to get her through the day, or the morning, or the moment. In short, Mary Magdalene could be here where she is early that morning for any number of reasons, just as, of course, each of us are undoubtedly here this morning for any number of reasons. One thing, however, is clear, and that is that whatever Mary comes to the tomb this morning expecting, one of the things she isn't expecting is Easter. <coughs> and shall we, when she arrives at the place where he'd been buried and sees the stone rolled away from the tomb, she immediately knows what she is seeing, right? And so she runs and finds Simon Peter and somebody else, somebody else in John's Gospel several times, kind of almost a little bit cryptically, refers to as the other disciple whom John writes Jesus loved. Most scholars, not all of them, but most, say that that other disciple whom Jesus loved is John's way of writing in his own place in the story. Could well be true, but he doesn't say what John actually does say is that Mary Magdalene ran back to the city, and I'm sure she's half out of breath when she gets there, and she barely even takes a breath before not saying to Peter and this other disciple, the tomb is empty, the Lord is not here, he is risen, but rather saying, the tomb is empty, somebody moved his body, we don't know what they did with it. We don't know what they did with them. It's probably John's way of pointing out what Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say explicitly, and that is that there were other women among Jesus' followers who found their way to the tomb early that morning, too. But Mary Magdalene, John says, had been first to the tomb, and so she was the first to see 
what had happened that morning, except, of course, she didn't see what had happened that morning. For her shout was not, the tomb is empty, alleluia. Her shout was, the tomb is empty, and I don't know what's going on. Peter and that other unnamed disciple, after she told them the news, ran out to the tomb to see for themselves. The other disciple, probably younger than Peter, outran him and got there first, but he didn't right away go right in. Instead, it says that he bent down at the entrance to the tomb to see what he could see from there, which wasn't much. The light inside was still pretty dim, but he did see one thing. He saw that the linen cloths in which the body had been wrapped were still there. <laughs> Though the body wasn't, and the sight of them got him thinking. Mary had told him that Jesus' body had been taken. But if that was true, this other disciple now thought, why were the burial cloths still there? I mean, if anyone, friend or foe, had removed the body, why in the world would they take off the linen wrappings in which the body had been wrapped? Answer, they wouldn't. It's then that Simon Peter arrives. Jesus had long ago nicknamed Simon the Rock. People think Dwayne Johnson came up with that. <laughs> Jesus had long ago nicknamed Simon Peter the Rock for, among other things, the strong foundation that his faith would become to the faith of the whole church. But I think in this case, the rock also probably functions as a descriptor of his running ability, which is why I think he arrived at the tomb a distant second, huffing and puffing. But that doesn't change the fact that he's still the rock. And so he gets to the tomb second, but he doesn't stop. He's first in. And having entered further than the other disciple, he sees more than the other disciple did. He sees that not only are the linen cloths lying there, but separate was the cloth that had been wrapped around his head. It's lying, well, apart where his head had been. So the cloths were there, but it's like they hadn't even been touched. It was like, it's like they were just empty. That's when Peter... That's what he saw as he panted into the tomb. It's also what the other disciple saw as he followed Peter into the tomb. They both saw exactly the same thing, except they didn't. I say that because in John's original Greek language telling of the story, there's something which, even if Greek is Greek to you, there is something which is very, very interesting going on here. So you know, I've been talking about the fact that there are people that were seeing things with their eyes, like Mary Magdalene um, seeing that the tomb was empty, but there's also been the things people have seen in their heads with the assumption they jumped to, like, like, like Mary running to tell Peter and the other disciple how she had seen that they had taken Jesus' body. The Greek gets interesting here because in this portion of the story, John actually uses three different words, all of which are translated in our English word, see. In English, you see, we actually ask that word see to do a lot of different duty by way of example. See that? 
or, hmm, I see. Greek splits all of that up with um, one Greek word used for ordinary, see that, kind of physical seeing. That's the word that is used in these verses when the other disciple gets to the tomb and sees that the linen cloths are there. But then too, there's another Greek word that carries a bit of connotation of seeing and noticing something, as in, huh, what's up with that? That's the word used when Peter enters the tomb and sees that the linen cloths are lying there, it's exactly where they've been, except there's no body in them. Huh, what is up with that? And then three, there's the Greek word used when the other disciple went into the tomb, and with Peter, he could now see the Greek word. Here's a third one, which carries a connotation of inward sight, as in, ah, I see. I think I might know what's going on which is borne out by our English translation of John 20, verse 8, which says what? The other disciple went into the tomb and saw and believed. Although full disclosure, there's still some sense that, that he doesn't quite entirely see what to make of all of that. The reason, John says, is because as of yet none of them understood the scriptures. After that, it says that Peter and the other disciple, and this seems kind of curiously anticlimactic to me, but it's what it says. Uh, it's because this isn't the climax, of course. It says they went home. And then it goes on to say that Mary Magdalene stayed, and then, of course, she became the first one to see Jesus face to face because Jesus appeared to her out there in the garden, outside the tomb. And then she believed to be sure. And she ran to find them, all of them, except Thomas, who apparently preferred to do his grieving all alone. There's a lesson there, see where it gets you. And she said to them all, except Thomas, I have seen the Lord. And guess what? It's yet one more, a fourth different Greek word. This one meaning seeing and comprehending and taking to heart everything that heart and mind and soul can see. Next week we will hear Jesus say, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Come back next week. It's a great text. Features one of my favorite characters in the whole Easter cast, Doubting Thomas. He and I get along. But this week, I want to close by turning to one other cast member, that one called the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And given that John, in his gospel, is the one who wrote that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I want to suggest that this other one whom Jesus loves is also where John writes you into the story. And so it's Easter. And here you are. What do you see? 
Do you see lilies and banners and choirs and brass and processions and candles and not much more? Or with Mary as our text ends and Peter soon enough and Thomas eventually, do you see everything there is here to be seen? Do you see that hate is real but love wins? Do you see that sin is real, but forgiveness wins? Do you see that suffering is real, but mercy wins? Do you see that the price is real, but sacrifice wins? Do you see that sorrow is real, but joy wins? Do you see that death is real, but life wins? Do you see, in other words, that darkness is dark? Damned dark, sometimes. But in Christ, darkness is, 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 and will be followed by dawn. Do you see, in other words, what is right here for the eyes of faith to see, and for the ears of faith to hear, and for the mind of faith to know, and for the heart of faith to hold fast on to? Do you see? that Jesus lives, and living, he loves, and loving, he sees you. Alleluia, indeed. Amen.